Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to share your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's Word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Help me welcome our online audience. Thank you so much for joining us. So glad that you could be with us. We hope you're cozy at home, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Well, you, you guys look good. You uh, made it to the, to the third service. You should be the most well-rested, well-caffeinated group of the morning, so I'm expecting some healthy interaction here. But uh, if you've been around for the last seven weeks, then you know that um, what's going on with Pastor Tim, and if you have not been around the last seven weeks, then you, you've probably been living under a rock. Uh, but just before Thanksgiving, he fell off his roof. Um, he was up putting Christmas lights on the house. He was actually done. He started to, uh, well, my, my surprise is getting blown away. You know what? Let me just have him, have him give you the update. Thank you. Be seated. I've missed you so much. Where have you been? Well, good morning. I won't be preaching today. I could, but I'll be back soon enough. Um, he, he just, he's grabbed his notes. I'll give you a quick update. Uh, we chose to do this third service today just so um, I wouldn't ruin the whole morning schedule. Um, so, um, as Lee started to say, about six and a half weeks ago, I fell off the roof and uh, finished up Christmas decorations and was cleaning up a little bit, and I s- stepped off. I was looking up and stepped off and fell about 12 feet onto some concrete. So, this next year, our Christmas decorations will be an inflatable Frosty <laughs> in the front yard. Yeah. And while I'm here, that reminds me, before I get back, I want a railing across, <laughs> across the front here. I'm not joking. Um, um, I got a compression fracture in my L1 vertebrae, and then I pretty much shattered um, my my wrist and had surgery on that. We're six and a half weeks in. I virtually have no pain now. Um, nights are a little bit uh, rougher, and um, but um, and I, I want to say this too. I've had the world's best caregiver, and I want you to give it up. In sickness and in health, for better, for worse, it's covenant. And God meets you at covenant. He does. Sorry, I wasn't going to cry. This week, and I've been in hand therapy and so forth. This week, I would ask your your, um, prayers. Um, On Tuesday, I have a consult. I'm getting a second opinion. Um, I'm wearing a big shell. I didn't balloon up here. Um, I have to wear kind of a brace for my, my back, and we've been 
very obedient with that. If I'm out of bed, I have that on. Um, but I have no pain, absolutely no, no pain in my back at all. And um, I have all, you know, I don't have, you know, numbness or tingling or anything like that. So I'm, I'm all sound and well that way. Um, so I'm getting a second opinion, see if I can get out of this thing or get something reduced a little bit smaller. So um, I have high hopes uh, for that. And if, if the second opinion says no, stay in it till mid-February, then I'm in it till mid-February. And, and uh, I'm going to add tassels on it and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, but then on Wednesday, um, I've kind of hit a wall in therapy. Um, the injury was here, but I'm having some um, nerve issues in my fingers. And um, so I'm not able to do everything that I need to do there. So uh, a week or so ago, the, my doctor said, we want to help you. We feel like you've hit a wall. And so they're going to take the plate out because it served its purpose to hold the bones together. And uh, then they're going to do more or less a carpal tunnel uh, release, clean up some scar tissue. And, and uh, we believe that will really accelerate things and get me going. So uh, I'm just so grateful. Um, God has been so good. You say, really? Yes, God is so good. And he is with you wherever you go. He's with you, whatever's going on. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about, I've learned in a lot of lessons, mostly in the night, um, that the Lord, uh, will give. And so I'm so, so thankful for you. You staying strong and steady. So thankful for our staff and our staff pastors. How about this guy here? I'm just so, And we're going to turn him loose on you in just a, mo- a moment here. And so um, thank you for your prayers, your cards. I have read every word, hundreds and hundreds of cards, and it just has blessed me. And I'm um, so grateful. I love you all so much. I've visualized, you know, just standing before you and sharing my love and gratitude to you. And Alicia and I are, are so very, very grateful. My timeline hopefully will be accelerated in the next few weeks. But again, as I have said by way of video, I'll be back as soon as is wise. And, um, you know, I'll just say this real quick and I'll get out of the way. Um, if you had a car and you'd wreck the car, um, when do you want that car back? You want the car back when it's all fixed. You know, well, your broken windshield's on order, but you could take it today. Or the axle's still bent, but you could take it today. You want it back when it's fixed and ready to go. And um, so I'll be, I will be ready to go shortly. And as soon as it's wise, then I'll be back. But you know what? Don't lose sight that God did see this day. And God is using that to actually strengthen and expand uh, the strength and the gifts within this church. This is Jesus' church. He will be glorified. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. All right. Well, I love you. I'm going to go sit down and enjoy church. And uh, so will you please thank, honor, and receive Pastor Lee this morning? Let's close with a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, it's been, it, it's been great to be a part of uh, an incredible team that's been able to step in and help leverage the 
the huge load that, that this man carries on an ongoing basis. And I'm, I'm grateful to, to have been a part of this and grateful just for God's grace, as he said, on, on the church, on you guys for staying committed and faithful, staying in church, uh, on, on our team. They're just th- This whole thing would not be possible to walk out without the grace of God. And we've, we've just seen him in a new way. And um, just thank you so much for, for staying consistent. But uh, we've had, you know, it's, it's been, what, going on seven weeks, and it's been a whirlwind, um, and, and, and I've been grateful to stand alongside some great teachers. Pastor Tom just killed it a few weeks back, really encouraging word, headed into the new year. Pastor Nick brought it last Wednesday. Um, if you're not in C20, just lie about your age and go anyway, because he, br- <laughs> he brings it like that all the time. You know, I just wish he was a little more happy. I just wish he had a little more energy or something, but he's awesome. And then last week, Pastor Bernard Scott, did y'all enjoy him? Bernard's a great friend of this house. He's known dad like 20 plus years, and uh, he's a tough act to follow, actually. I joked back in the summer, if you remember, Bernard kicked off week one of our summer series. And, and I, had, I was doing week two, and I was like, man, i got to follow Bernard for real, this, this good-looking, soulful black man who just had you guys laughing, and then, then the whitest white boy in Ocala has a following week two. So, so then I was sitting there last week, and Bernard's up here teaching, and I was like, i got to follow him again, for real? The only consolation prize this time was that the first time he was here, he sang. I don't know if you all remember that. He sang, like, straight on gospel. This past time he didn't sing, so I was like, okay, I, th- I think I'll be all right. But it's good to be up here. I was kind of itching to get back. And, uh, you know, it's been two or three weeks, I think, since I was up here. The last time I was here, I almost passed out right here. Uh, and if you were there for that service, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, you probably heard. Really, it was a, a lesson uh, learned. I had barely eaten, hadn't really hydrated, um, hadn't rested well, and it hit me at the worst possible time. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't deal with nerves or anything like that, but it just, you know, like I said, lesson learned. And then I heard a, a, a message recently from Pastor Rick Warren, and he said that the first year in his ministry that he uh, passed out in the pulpit. He dropped. Uh, you guys, I held on, all right? I finished. <laughs> but he, he uh, you know, that shows me, okay, it happens to the best of them. And then two, I really believe, I'm not making that everything is spiritual, but I believe that there is a, a resistance that the enemy would bring. Anywhere where the kingdom of God is advancing, I believe the enemy wants to get in. He wants to cause confusion, sickness, distraction, anything he can do to slow down what God is doing. And so I declare he has no place here today. <laughs> He has no place in your life. He has no place in your marriage, in your home. He has no place, and I believe that he has given me a timely word for today. We are kicking off a new series. You may have seen some of the signage around here or seen the the video. It's called The Missing Peace, The Missing Peace, and that's a a play on words, P-E-A-C-E, because I believe that there is a a peace that is available to us that many of us are missing. I, I think, you know, the world recognizes there's a void. They don't always know that it's peace that's missing. They just recognize there's something not there. And then for us as believers, we have an idea of what peace is, uh, but even we, despite our best efforts, uh, can, can miss that peace at times. Peace is not just an idea for, for the afterlife. It's something we can have here and now. And, you know, we, we look here today, it's 2016, January 10th. We're, we're a third of the way through this month, and, and it's like, wasn't it just 2015? Wasn't it just last New Year's, and now here we are again a year later? 
Time flies. It's crazy what can happen in, in, in a year's time. And, and I was, uh, um, a year ago this time, Katie and I and the kids, we were still living in Texas, starting to pray about, you know, if, what, what our season there was going to look like, if we were to come home, if we were to stay, just trying to be led on that. And I'm so grateful that God has led us back home. I'm so grateful. I see now in, in the wake of what's happened with Dad, I'm so grateful that I was here and in this place and grateful for you guys. But we've had enough sappiness, so I'll keep moving. Uh, <laughs> With a new year, what happens a lot of times is we make resolutions, right? We, we as people, we like a fresh start. We like a clean slate. We like being able to press reset, turn the page, draw a line in the sand, and move forward and better ourselves. And the new year is often a great time to do that. I don't know what your resolutions are. Maybe, as Pastor Nick said on Wednesday, this is the year that you get fit. This is the year you get fit. This is the year you start that diet or you, or you, or you start a budget or, or you, this is the year you're going to get married. I don't know what your resolutions are, but what happens is despite our best efforts and preparations, sometimes reality comes knocking. Things happen in life, and, and even though we meant well, we get off track and quickly find ourselves saying, you know what, I'll just wait till 2017. You know, we, we've been there. So let's step back from resolutions. Let's step, step back from just a new year. Let's look at life in general. We have ideas of what life should look like. We have prayers. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have plans, things that we want to see happen. And a lot of times reality comes knocking. Life happens, and we find ourselves not where we thought we would be. We find ourselves off track or discouraged. And if I were to sit here today with you and, and, and just have some one-on-one time with each one of you and ask you, how are you doing? If you were to answer honestly, I think we'd hear a lot of similar things. You know, you may be here today and you say, I'm lonely. I feel like there's not a, a support group in my life. I don't feel there's anyone I can go to. I just feel alone most of the time, like I'm doing this life alone. Maybe you're here and you, you feel unhappy. You wake up in the morning and you struggle to find your joy. It's enough just to get out of bed, much less do the things that you have to do throughout your day. Maybe you're, you're here today and, and you feel behind in life. Maybe you're college age. Maybe you're one of those 20-somethings Pastor Nick was talking about. And you feel, you know, all my friends are graduating college. They are starting their careers. They're getting married. They're having babies. And I just feel stuck in a rut. I feel like my life's not going anywhere. Maybe you're here and you're frustrated. Your job seems like it's not going anywhere, but yet you're afraid because you don't really have any other options. Or you're here and, 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 and you wake up um, just discouraged about a relationship. You see it going somewhere, but the other person maybe doesn't see it quite the same, and you just wonder, will I ever get married? Will I ever find love? You wake up in the morning, and maybe you feel anxious, and you feel like something is is wrong with you. Guess what? These are a lot of variations of different things, but I think they're all singing the same song, and that song is this, I'm missing peace. I'm missing peace. There's something lacking. There's a, a void. And at our lowest, how many of y'all have been in a valley? Not a physical valley, but a metaphorical valley, just a low point in life. Maybe you, you just got out of the valley. Maybe you're in the valley. Guess what? There's good news. The only way is up, okay? You're not going to stay in that valley. But what happens is, is comparison becomes such a trap. The enemy wants us to compare our life or our situation with the people around us. And that leads to discouragement because we often only see the best side of the people around us. While meanwhile, seeing everything in our life. We compare our behind the scenes to their highlight reel. 
Culture doesn't help. Social media d- doesn't help. You get on Facebook and Instagram and you're scrolling through your feed and you say, oh, well, they, they just got married. Oh, they just traveled here. He just got this promotion. They just won the Powerball. There's all these things going on because it's, it's, it's self-marketing, right? We, we present the best version of ourselves, how we want people to perceive us. Now, I'm not saying go home and, and, and be totally vulnerable and show everyone all your, your nastiness. I've seen that as well. But for the most part, for the most part, we, we end up just seeing all this good stuff happening in everyone else's life, and we feel, man, I'm the only one going through what I'm going through. Am I the only one searching? But that's a trap. It's a lie. Because if the enemy can get us to feel that way, he can get us to just set up shop in the valley, to just pitch our tent and accept that as reality and accept that as that's just how life is going to be. But the truth is that we're all searching. You know, we have a mission statement here as a church, and that mission statement is twofold. It's to find peace on earth, find peace on earth and to transform lives through the gospel of Christ. As I said, peace is not an idea. Peace is not just something that's attainable when we get to heaven. Peace is something available now. In this crazy world that we live in and all that's going on, we can have a real peace here and now. And as a ministry, we want to help you find that peace. Then secondly, we want to walk out that journey. We want to partner with you in this life, realizing that we're all searching and to allow our lives to be transformed by the teachings of Jesus, to be transformed by the truth and the heart of the gospel. You know, peace is not a a trend. It's not a buzzword. It's not some new thing. We've been looking for peace since the beginning of time. Where people cry out, if we could just have world peace. You know, there's that, that song that says, all we are saying is give peace a chance, right? Give peace a chance. I, I, I talked to someone recently who, they were at a restaurant and their waitress just was off her game. She, she, wasn't, she was, messed up the order. She didn't seem very happy. She was just dragging. And, and the guy asked her, he said, are you okay? Is something bothering you? And she said, no, I'm not okay. I have no peace. I have no peace. And I think that's something that believers and unbelievers alike face to find that peace. In this series, we want to help you not just have peace, but keep peace. If you're looking for peace, the good news is that peace is available to all of us. But there's three different types of people, I think. There's the first type, this may be you, you just don't believe that peace is available. You don't believe that you can have peace as long as you're on this earth, okay? Then there's the second, second type of people. This may be you. You believe that you can have peace, but not that you can keep it. That there's always going to be something that could easily take that peace away, and therefore peace is not a constant. But today I want to talk to you about a perfect peace, a peace that is beyond our understanding, beyond anything we've ever experienced. And this is the peace that God offers, the way he designed, that we cannot just have it, but that we can keep it regardless what happens on this earth. Today, I want to share a message called Peace in the Knowing. Peace in the Knowing. And we'll talk about what that knowing is, but really another way to say it would be peace with God. That all peace ultimately starts with God. So to get going, open up your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're just going to read a couple verses here. You can put your finger at uh, verse 25, but I kind of want to set up this scene for you. Um, we, we're, this is the Last Supper. Jesus is there with his disciples, and um, this is just a short time before he is to go to the cross uh, to give his life, ultimately for something he did not deserve, but he was doing it for us. 
And so you've, you've had that experience where you're at a restaurant with friends or with family, and um, you, you've had the meal, you're done with the meal, they, they, you've had dessert, you're done with dessert, you're on your third cup of coffee, the waiter or waitress keeps coming back saying, are you ready for your check? You're like, no, no, we're good. Because you're still dialoguing, you're still conversing, right? You don't want to rush that time, you're enjoying the time you have together, and finally you get up and, and go about your way. Well, I think that's kind of what's going on here. Jesus is, is with his disciples, they've had the Last Supper, we've seen what would be our foundation for the Eucharist or, or communion take place. And now there's kind of a discourse going because his disciples are troubled, to say the least. They're kind of um, agonizing over what's about to take place in the days to come. They don't fully understand why their master, their leader, the one whom they followed these last few years on earth, is about to pay this penalty. And he says in verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. He goes on and and he says some things that I would say are Jesus' truth bombs. There are things that when we hear them said, we associate those things with the teachings of Jesus. Even out of context, we say, oh, Jesus said that. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He's, he's kind of gone from having this dialogue with them to saying, hey, guys, let me encourage you with some things. Let me explain what is going to happen in the days to come, why it's happening, and what the implications of that will be. And so he goes from comforting them and showing himself as the comforter to them pointing to a new comforter that will come. And that's where I want to pick up in verse 25. We're just going to read three verses here. And the first verse says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Here it is. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And he says it again. Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. He's saying, guys, this is what's about to happen, and and I know you're troubled, I know you're concerned, but I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and then after three days I will uh, rise up again. I'll be here for a short while, and then I'm going to be with my Father. But don't fret, because the things that I am saying to you, I am sending a comforter who will remind you of those things. I I am bestowing my Spirit upon you. I will ascend, but the Spirit will descend and be available to you, and He will bring about a peace that you have never felt. This is what I love about Jesus. He often spoke in a a comparison-contrast approach. When he's relaying a a principle or trying to teach something, you look in his parables, you look in his sermons, he will compare or contrast two things to illustrate a point. I'll show you what I mean. He, he, He contrasts friends and enemies, rich and poor, darkness and light, wise and foolish. And here I believe he does the same thing again. He contrasts two forms of peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give to you. Meaning I am bringing you a different peace. This is not what you're used to. This is not what you've understand or have yet to uh, attain in your life. This is different. One is a circumstantial brand of peace that we're used to uh, looking for, something that's rooted in our circumstances. It's an outer form of peace, something that, that we try to attain. And he's saying this peace is different. 
This is not like anything you felt. This is a non-circumstantial peace that takes place on the inside. It's, it's abiding. It's enduring. It's not affected by the outside world. And it's not something that you can earn. It's something I give. He's comparing these two things. And I think it's important we understand the difference between circumstantial peace as we know it and this peace which Jesus is pointing to. You know, circumstantial peace is, is, is totally rooted in what? Our circumstances. And our situation, this is where so often many of us find our peace or our joy. When everything is in order, when everything is as expected, when everything goes according to plan, everything's fine and dandy, then we are at peace, right? But as soon as something changes, we begin to lose our peace. For me, this is a lot like home ownership. And and I'll, I'll explain what I mean here. My wife and I, we are in our third home. We don't own three homes. This is the third home that we've owned. And when we were married, early on, we, we bought our first home, and we put some work into it. We flipped that home, and then bought our second home. And it wasn't but a few months that we felt God calling us to Texas. That's a whole other story in itself. Why would, why would he give us favor getting into this house, and then have us sell it and leave and move across the country? Another story for another day. So we sold that, went out to Texas for a year. We're back, and we're living in the home that we're in now. And I'll go on record. The, the cameras are rolling. The audio is recording. You're here. My wife is here. I don't want to move again. I don't, I don't want to pack again. I don't want to sell again. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I love my house, and I want to grow old there. I want to die there, okay, with, with you. All right. But y- y'all heard it here. So if she ever says anything, that, that, this is the house. But with home ownership, this is kind of how I am. You know, you see all these shows, Fixer Upper and, and, and these home renovation shows. That's not me, guys, all right? I am not handy. And, uh, well, I will say this. I'm more handy than him. <laughs> he, he says it's because I have YouTube. I don't watch YouTube. It's just I have friends who tell me stuff. Pastor Sean. <laughs> but either way, I don't think the handiness really runs in us, in, in us Gilligan men. And so, therefore, I don't like to take on projects. I don't like renovations, any of that. I'm most at happy, most at peace in my home when there's nothing to do. <laughs> But if you own a home, you know that's totally not attainable. There's always something to do. There's always something to fix, to replace, to repair, to update, to maintain your lawn, your pool. There's always something to do. And so if my peace and my joy are only rooted in the fact that I'll have nothing to do, then I'm never going to enjoy my home because it's rooted in a false sense of peace, right? And so often that's how we are with our circumstances. We, we place our peace in things that weren't meant to sustain, and then they go awry, and we lose our peace, We think that peace, contentment, happiness, um, satisfaction, all those things are interchangeable and we're constantly on the quest to fine-tune our situations, try to take control so that we can experience peace. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a level of of circumstantial peace, but it just, you need to know that it's fleeting, it's superficial, and as soon as those situations change, your peace begins to evaporate. There's things that you can bring a certain level of peace in this life, but they're not going to last. For instance, your finances. You can make that your source of peace, and as long as you have a padded savings account and you have good investments, no debt, you have assets, then you can be at a level of peace. But what happens when the stock market tanks, the housing market crashes, you get hit with unexpected bills, you lose your job? If your peace was rooted in that, it's going to evaporate because it wasn't meant to sustain your peace. If your body is the source of your peace, maybe you work out, maybe you eat well, and you have fine-tuned this specimen of a body that you have, and that's where you get your joy and satisfaction and peace. Well, what happens when you get sick? 
what happens when you get an unexpected diagnosis or if you just hit a wall and you, and you start to feel lethargic and tired or maybe you start to get old. I heard that happens. <laughs> I, I, I just turned 30 and already I feel old. I, I think it's no coincidence that that week uh, that I turned 30, I almost fainted in the pulpit. I mean, <laughs> stuff happens. And if your body and your health are your source of peace, you're going to lose your peace. If a relationship is your source of peace, you'll lose your peace. If I, am only, if I get my peace from being in agreement with my wife on everything, um, as long as we're in agreement, then I guess we have peace, right? But as soon as we disagree or as soon as I prove to her that I'm always right, then, then we're not... <laughs> Our peace evaporates. If, if, if your peace comes from your job and your boss, and, and as long as he's uh, approving of your, of your performance and you get a raise and all that, then things are good. But what happens when he says, I need you to redo this project? Or actually, I'm going to hand this project off to this guy. Or, or we're going to dismiss you from this assignment. Or actually, you're getting demoted. What happens then? There goes your peace. You see what I'm saying? Circumstances aren't meant to produce lasting peace. And we often blame someone or something of stealing our peace. You ever get a fender bender and you're like, well, this totally stole my peace. Or someone says something to you, it rubs you the wrong way, and you're like, oh, they took my peace. We say they stole it or this thing took it. Almost like it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card that we have an excuse to just walk around in strife or in a bad mood. Here's the deal. The type of peace Jesus is talking about can't be stolen. It, it, it can't be taken. It's a peace that endures. It's a peace that abides. And if we lose that peace, guess what? It's because we surrendered it. We either surrendered it willingly or we were trying to get peace from something that was never meant to have lasting peace. The world is hard. I'm not denying you that. If you're facing something now, I'm not saying, well, you're getting your peace from the wrong things. No, it's fine that your heart is troubled. It's, it's fine that you are experiencing pain and that you may be lacking peace. That's fine. I'm not going to candy coat that. But what Jesus is saying is while that's true, talking to his disciples, while it's true that your heart is troubled, you don't need to be troubled any longer. While it's true, that is not the whole truth. He's saying, let not your hearts be troubled any longer. And that's what we have to realize. Don't accept those circumstances. They can affect you to a degree, but realize a greater peace resides. This is the shalom peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. In the Hebrew, it's shalom. It's so much richer than our English word for peace. It's a peace that is, it, it involves completeness as a result of relationship. It's not affected by the outside world. And get this, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of, of, of problems or adversity. It's not perfection of, of a situation. It's the presence of God. It's not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And we have to understand that if we're going to understand peace. Now here is what is so huge about the implications of what Jesus is saying to his disciples. This is the first time we see the Holy of Holies is about to be made available to anyone, anywhere, anytime. The Holy of Holies was the innermost room of the tabernacle. This is pre-Jesus. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant. And this was said to be where the presence of Yahweh, the presence of God, resided there. But not just anyone could go in there and experience that. The, the high priest was the only person who could go in there. And only he could enter on the Day of Atonement. It was, it was, there was a barrier created by a veil. And, and he had to take preparations. He had to wash himself, burn incense, bring a, a blood offering. All these things just to be the mediator, just to experience the presence of God. And Jesus is saying, no longer. No longer. What I'm about to do through my death, 
my burial, my resurrection, as I am making that presence, the presence of Yahweh, I am giving it to you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, no longer do you have to go through ritual or sacrifices or law or another man, or no longer do you have to bring a sacrifice. I am that sacrifice. I will be the atonement for you. I will bring a way through my spirit and my presence will be available wherever you're at. Do y'all realize how huge that is? Do y'all realize the implications of that then and even more now? And this is what I love about this is Jesus, the disciples are on, on this side of that discussion. Okay, not all this has happened yet. Jesus is predicting his death, burial, resurrection, and then the, the, the dissension of the Spirit. But so the, the, the disciples have to have some level of question. They have to have some, uh, okay, how does this work? You know, they haven't seen it play out. We stand 2,000 years on the other side of that, seeing that Jesus did not just predict his death, burial, and resurrection, but that he fulfilled it. That he didn't just make a promise, but that he kept that promise, that he followed through. And when we serve a God who doesn't just say something, but he makes good, we can believe what he says when he says it. Amen. Amen. His peace is available to us now because of what he did. We cannot just have it, but also keep it. His peace, get this, his peace and his presence are synonymous. We don't have his peace apart from his presence. And so the very fact that he's saying, I will send my spirit. This spirit will remind you of what I've said. He will comfort you. He will be a peace beyond what you've experienced. That is his presence. That is his peace. Having peace is a decision. Keeping peace is a journey. Having it initially is a decision, and keeping it is a journey. That first decision, leave that slide up, please. That first decision is is to say, not do I have all the answers, not do I understand why all this is happening, not do I have control of my situation. No, that decision is, do I trust God? Do I trust God? If you trust God enough that you're willing to commit your life to him, you can have peace. It's a decision. Then keeping that peace is a journey you walk out in the wake of that decision. Saying that I commit my life to you, I make that decision, and now I receive that peace in the good and the bad, in the, 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 the trials and the tribulations. No matter what life brings my way, you're my source. I made that decision to follow you. And so even when things don't make sense on this earth, I'll walk out that journey. I'll renew my mind. I will make you my source and realize that I can have peace on that journey. Really, it's a lot like marriage. You know, I, I have a wife because we made a decision we, we took vows between God and man that we wanted to commit our lives to one another, okay? I have a wife because of a decision. Now, I don't keep my wife because I made that decision and now I just do whatever I want. I keep my wife because we walk out that journey together. We, we look back at those vows that we took. We look back at that decision. And even though there's hard days, even though there's things that we face, even though there's times where we don't always... Uh, agree. We look at the commitment we made and we walk that out together for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, health, for better or for worse. Whatever comes our way, it's a decision and it's a journey. And that's how peace works. We decide to follow God, then we walk out our life on that journey, committing to follow him, whatever comes our way. You see, while marriage isn't perfect, it can produce a stronger marriage. Hardship doesn't have to be the end. Hardship doesn't have to be where you call it quits. I understand there's some situations where it's, it is the end of the road. But I believe that when uh, um, things come our way, when, when we hit a wall, we can commit to one another and work through that. And it, when you do come out on the other side, your marriage will be stronger than it was before. That's the same thing with the peace Jesus is talking about. It's a peace that endures. Circumstantial peace evaporates when your circumstances change. 
When, when adversity strikes, that peace leaves. But the peace Jesus is talking about, shalom peace, grows in adversity. It endures in adversity. Jesus goes on two chapters later in John 16. And he says, in me you have peace, in the world you'll have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. So he's, he's in essence saying, if you are looking for your peace in the world, well, you're not going to find it. There, there's tribulation, there's trouble, it won't produce. But in me you have peace, and I've overcome the world. Make him your source. Here's the deal. This is ultimately what I want you to, to kind of, as we prepare to wrap up, uh, go here with me. The key to keeping peace is to stop fighting God. The key to keeping peace with God is to stop fighting him. And you may be sitting there and that rubbed you the wrong way. And you say, I'm not fighting God. Or you say, who's this skinny kid up here who's telling me that, that I'm, I'm fighting God? He doesn't know my quiet time. He doesn't know where I'm at with God. But I think a lot of times what happens is we don't realize all the ways that we are working against his plan. We don't realize all the ways that we're working against what he wants to do. Because guess what? We like playing God. We like trying to do the things only he was meant to do. And we've got to ask ourselves, who's in control of my life? Is it a situation? Is it a job? Is it a relationship? Is it yourself? If it's anything other than God, then guess what? We're fighting against his plan. And we've got to stop working to accomplish something that can only be received. He said to his disciples, my peace I give to you. I give it to you. Not, hey, if the price is right, I'll give you this peace. No, he says, I give you my peace. Stop working to accomplish something that he has given to us as a gift. Here's, here's the sad part, especially for, for non-believers, but even believers alike, is that so often we don't associate a lack of peace with God. So that's why so many people try to fill that void with something other than God. That's why the world is chasing the next high, the, the next level of, of influence. That's why we chase riches and we chase all these things, trying to fill a void. If we didn't associate that lack of peace with God, then we're not going to try to fill that void with God. But I'm telling you today, peace does not happen apart from God. Peace is not just what he gives, but it's who he is. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken in him. And that same God who created you, desires to have relationship with you. But as long as we are not in relationship with him, we won't find that peace. Until you have peace with God, you will never have peace in this life. His presence and his peace are synonymous. They are one and the same. And I think, you know, we've, we've played games where you have the hourglass timer with the sand and you flip it over and the sand starts dropping. At first, it feels like it's dropping really slow, Right? Like, you've got a lot of time on your turn. Uh, you know, you may be saying, oh, it's 2016. It just started. I have all year to get stuff in order. Or I've got the rest of my life to, to get right with God. But then what happens is you look back and you realize the sand is falling a lot quicker than you thought. We don't know what this, few, what this year holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what today holds. And why should we waste any time, any more time, anything else, trying to pursue a false type of peace when Jesus is saying, Here's my peace. Here's my presence. If you base your peace on God, you can look back at the least peaceful times in your life and realize that you were in fact at peace because those circumstances drew you closer to the one who is himself peace. 
If you're facing hardship right now, if you're facing pain, heartache, maybe your child's sick, I don't know what what you could be facing, realize that while in the circumstances you don't have peace, allow those things to draw you closer to the one who is himself, peace. Peace is in the knowing. Not in knowing why everything happens, not in having all the answers. Peace is simply in knowing God. And if you want to have peace in this life, then you have to know him. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala. 